I'm Kim. I'm Megs. Welcome to the Atwoods End Podcast. <laughs> We're recording. <laughs> no, it's not the same. <laughs> Why are we here? What have I done? Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? Like, it's so obviously not. <laughs> You're just uneducated. It's not that bad. I don't know, is that even a word? So welcome to the At Wits End podcast. I'm Megs. And I'm Kim, and welcome to episode 17, a la carte. Um, question, what does a la carte even mean? <laughs> so it literally translates into on the menu. And in this week's episode, we are talking about food, our favorites, our relationship with food, food etiquette terms, and kind of like a look around the world. So I thought that was very fitting, especially when we had a uh, fashion bra- branding lawyer, Alessia, on the show. We called it a la mode. And so a la carte is keeping... <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Edna from The Incredibles. <laughs> uh, no cakes. compliment, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, I've been bugging you to do this one for a while because, like, I love food. I'm super excited for this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's so cute. I mean, like, it's interesting to think that not everyone really has the same love of food that you do because, like, I love food. I love to eat. I appreciate a great meal. I feel in a lot of ways that appreciation, at least like right now in my life, is so much more like surface level. <laughs> Whereas I don't really know anyone who appreciates it in the same sense that you do, where you know you're always exploring in the kitchen, learning new cooking techniques, and I guess taking such a thoughtful approach to food and like the experience mm-hmm. of food. And it's funny because I'm reading this book right now called The Gastronomical Me. Okay. by mfk fisher and she was basically she was a writer she lived from like 1902 i think until like the early 90s most of her writing was kind of in that like 1930s 1940s era and she pretty much mostly wrote about like food eating and travel mm-hmm. and i literally highlighted a passage in the introduction of the book because it made me think of you Aww. and it says <laughs> it seems to me that our three basic needs for food and security and love are so mixed and mingled and entwined that we cannot straightly think of one without the others so it happens that when i write of hunger i am really writing about love and the hunger for it and the warmth and the love of it and the hunger for it and then the warmth and richness and fine reality of hunger satisfied and it is all one Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry over a food quote. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you my favorite food quote after too, but that's, I really, yeah. Okay. That's, that's exactly. Yeah, it's just like, mm-hmm. it reminded me of just how you approach, I guess, like cooking and entertaining. Like we've talked about a lot on this podcast and just like how it's, it's all like one thing. It's all about an experience and it's all about showing love for the people around you and things like that and your experience of all of those things really are just all about the same thing at the end of the day but yeah why do you think you have such a love of food I mean my dad really loved food and cooking and eating and you know the whole totality of all of these things and he traveled around a lot for work and really everywhere he went he would try everything which means that he had food poisoning like I want to say like six times a month because he would find some like, <laughs> little, like hole in the wall <laughs> and really there was no cuisine that he didn't like and I think partially it was something that we really bonded over growing up and that kind of started my love of food. He passed away two years ago, and and I always say that he's with me for for all the good meals I eat, just not the bad ones, you know? (laughs) But like, it took me a long time to get there. I used to hate tomatoes. Who 
hates tomatoes. You <laughs> a know. lot. I think hating tomatoes is like a common one. I swear like growing up so many people hated tomatoes or they're like, can I have the sandwich on the menu? But like no tomato. Like I feel like no tomato okay. is such a menu request for people and I don't know what it is about tomatoes that gets so much hate but like I love and, them now yeah I've like I've always loved tomatoes but I know growing up I had so many friends that were like I just don't like tomatoes you know your friends are like coming over for dinner and they're like I, I can't eat tomatoes <laughs> Dude, <laughs> why <laughs> Where, do you, would you consider yourself were you ever a picky eater like your relationship with food has that changed since you were little no I don't like I don't think I've ever really been a picky eater like, I think a lot of the time that comes down to your childhood experiences and kind of like how you were raised. Like I feel like I was exposed to a pretty like diverse range of foods as a kid and was given the opportunity to explore different foods and try new tastes. And so like, like obviously there's foods that I didn't like. I hate cilantro. I'm like have a personal vendetta against (laughs) pork chops. Um, But other, other than those two things, there isn't really much that I wouldn't eat and I would say that's standard from how I was as a kid too there really wasn't anything that I would refuse but I also feel like I was taught especially by like we had a nanny growing up and she always taught me to like finish what was on my plate and like eat you know even and my parents were very like eat you know you eat what you're given especially if you're at somebody else's house right you don't be picky you know so (laughs) I feel like that play (laughs) yeah like I feel like that just plays a role in it too because like I learned you know you have to adapt when you're taught that like refusing things just because you like don't want to try them is like not really an option yeah and I'm so gonna insert a joke about like good British table manners because I I don't even have to because you just did it for me but yeah no that's oh my god you can't have a uh, pref like when you just like have like a particularity about things but you can't have preferences when you go out of the house (laughs) it's not allowed Yeah, like, aside from, like, allergies and, like, actual, like, this is gonna make me sick if I eat it, like, I think there's just a certain, like, respect to, like, somebody is serving you food and just because you're, like, "Mm, I'm not, like, fussy about this, can you make me something else? It's just, like, oh my god, I could never imagine saying that to somebody. (laughs) No, that would, that, like, gives me, it makes me sweat to Yeah, it gives me anxiety. (laughs) I know. I remember, like, as a kid, I did a lot of horseback riding and the one summer we were doing kind of, like, a camp, like, a training camp. And there was like a little farmhouse on the on the property and so we would be sleeping there like riding all day kind of thing and when we were there oddly the somebody's mom was there i don't think she was even like related to i don't know what she was doing there but she was an old british lady and she basically saw how like me and two other young girls like we were like maybe 12 at this time and she had a fit and then we spent the rest of the evening for the first like two days learning proper etiquette you know, on top of being oh a God. good rider, and I was, yeah, so I know etiquette now, but it, it was just a very odd, you know, I was coming home, and I was like, I did this it's wrong. Like the, oh my God, it's also like the last thing you want to be doing when you're 12, is like <laughs> learning how to use the correct, and like, having utensil. them watch you, and you know, like, well, yeah. how, how well do you know your etiquette? I think I know, like, the gist of it, or at least, like, the, the main ones, like, I don't know how I'd hold up if I was, like, having lunch with the queen, but generally (laughs) like I have an understanding of what fork you know to eat use when and like the proper way to set a table like my mom was always adamant about like you know setting like the utensils on the right side of the plate that kind of stuff so like that's embedded in my brain and my nanny was always big on like elbows off the tables I can literally hear her saying that in my head when I'm eating sometimes (laughs) things like that 
I, in a general life sense, I've got the etiquette down pat, but if I was at somewhere where it was super formal and there was, basically if you were eating with royalty, I don't think I would fare well in just a general life way i think i'm okay yeah what kind of got me thinking about this is like you know some other countries the way we kind of do things i want to say that you have like a subconscious understanding of etiquette and yeah for the most part you'd fare probably okay at a dinner party and so what i did is i dove into if you were not canadian or from north america and you know sometimes when you're going to a country and you're like how much should i tip or you're looking things up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i did that in regards to like etiquette of north america the other way around what would somebody find if they're like okay i'm coming to canada for the first time what should i be doing or what shouldn't i be doing okay and so i pulled out a few of them which i was kind of surprised by a lot of them and i was like okay i wouldn't do that i I wouldn't know why i wouldn't do that or why i would do that but it's very interesting okay so the meal begins when the host or hostess unfolds their napkin this is your signal to do the same place your napkin on your lap completely unfolded you are never to shake it open when your host or hostess picks up their fork to eat, then you may eat. Do not start before this unless the host insists that you start eating. And then I think this one we all kind of know. So knife in the right hand, fork in the left hand holding food. After a few bite-sized pieces of food are cut, place knife on the edge of the plate with blades facing in. Eat food by switching fork to right hand, unless you're left-handed, and then a left hand arm or elbow on the table is bad manners. Loud eating noises such as slurping and burping are very impolite. That's the number one sin of of dinner table etiquette. And then once you've used your utensils, including the handles, they must not touch the table again. Always rest fork, knives, and spoons on the side of your plate or in the bowl. When you are finished with a course, place your your utensils with silverware used on your plate in the 420 position. And then this is just like kind of for fun. But this one I feel like a lot of Canadians maybe don't know, i.e. looking at some people I've been to a bar with. So if you're invited out to a pub in Canada, please keep in mind that each person is expected to pay for a round of drinks. Neglecting your turn for to pay for a round will create a bad impression. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's so interesting. I would say I agree with you generally the etiquette rules that you said I wouldn't have necessarily thought of consciously, but I would have followed all of those rules. Like, yeah, you me know, too. you don't eat until everyone has food and like put your napkin on your lap, you know, those like general things. But everyone buying a round of drinks thing is such a, it's weird because like it is a thing here, but so many people don't. I don't know if it's because we've just like come out of student culture and stuff where no one had the money to really be like rotating like that. Right. But I feel it wasn't until I, you know, traveled, especially through the UK and stuff that I really adopted the like, okay, my round, your round, my round, your round kind of thing when it came to going out. And it just like it makes so much sense. But I don't know if it's because student culture is kind of like every man for himself. Uh, (laughs) Sometimes you're not drinking a lot because you're still hungover from two days ago and therefore you can't go round for round with everybody. (laughs) Yeah, like I don't know if there's just a different approach to drinking versus like when you're just casually kind of going out for drinks, it's a little bit easier to be like, okay, I'll get the first one, you get the second and then whatever. If it's an odd number, then the next person grabs the first one the next time. But yeah, so interesting. I read, so I was looking, we're going to move on to like other parts of the world just because there are a lot of stark contrasts, which is interesting. Like, and they all make sense though right like the whole like did you have to finish all the food on your plate was that 
unnecessary. With my parents, I feel not so much, though I typically did finish most. Like, I mean, my parents always were like, you know, finish as much as you can. But with my nanny, finishing everything was like, you ha- you had to finish everything. Okay. So like, and my, so my nanny was from the UK. Yeah. And, but with my parents, I mean, as long as I ate enough, it wasn't <laughs> necessarily something where like, I couldn't eat like three bites and be like, I'm done. But if I left a couple bites on my plate, then I wasn't being forced to finish it, you know? Right, right. So it's interesting because yeah, in the UK, you're expected to clean off your plate. In China, yeah. you always leave food on your plate because it shows that you're full. If you finish all your food that's actually really bad manners and it's considered disrespectful and rude because you're implying that that wasn't satisfied you're not satisfied Which, yeah you like know, you're still like, wanting more yeah that's i i plan out my my food as i'm eating to be like what are gonna be those last five bites how are we gonna do this how are we gonna finish this off on a strong note sometimes if i've eaten too much of one i have to balance it out and that's literally the entire time i'm eating i'm thinking about those last five <laughs> bites and how to make them slap yeah <laughs> That's my take on that. Yeah, so now leave your, if you're eating in China, you've got to factor in your last six bites to figure yeah. out what you're sacrificing. Leave, like, something gross for the end that I don't want to eat. <laughs> so, yeah, so take, like, a look around the world because there are these really big contrasts. In Egypt, salting your food is considered a huge insult. And this one actually totally makes sense. My dad was really anal about this because I would just salt and pepper things as soon as I got my food. And he's like, always try it first. You're going to, you know, if it's already too salty, you're going to make it even saltier and then you won't be able to eat it, you know? And so the chef, you know, prepares your food to taste a certain way. And when you add your own spices, it effectively changes the flavor. And that implies that the dish was inadequate as presented. So I'm all for that. I don't even put out salt and pepper. We just got salt and pepper shakers like recently, and I'm very yeah. hesitant to to allow my Let guests, your guests use them. Yeah, <laughs> to to insult me. <laughs> but, and then, so I I saw a fact about South Korea, and I reached out to to one of my friends who lived in South Korea for a couple of years just to fact check. And so she gave me a couple of these. So South Korea has very interesting etiquette rules too. A lot of them are centered around their elders. Is as the elder is the the most respected and and they do a lot of things to ensure that that respect is is felt and so no one is permitted to take a bite until the oldest person has started eating you know just great respect to, to the elder in the room when drinking all the younger people will turn away from the eldest to sip their drink probably because when old people drink it's gross and so they're just giving them some privacy and then <laughs> that's my personal opinion and then the youngest always pours which I'm going to I'm going to enact that in this house. I am never pouring anything again and yep. Hugo's got a task. Yeah. <laughs> Go get mummy. He's Rose. just he's just working on picking things up. He just found his feet like a week ago. Now he's pouring your drinks for you. <laughs> Start him early. <laughs> Oh, that's so interesting. I know in some Asian countries like Thailand and Taiwan and Japan, it's when you're eating with chopsticks, it's never supposed to actually like sit in the bowls Mm -hmm. because it's reminiscent of incense in a bowl used, I guess, like at funerals and like for, you know, when someone dies. In Chile and Brazil, your hands are never supposed to touch the food when you're eating. That applies to French fries too, which would not even cross my mind. (laughs) 
it's funny because reading, you know, about etiquette in different countries, it really made me think about how much I should probably be Googling how to eat before I go anywhere because... <laughs> offended while I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, like, I've, like, probably offended some people because, like, just little things like that that you don't think about necessarily because it's the norm here, but there's so many, and, like, a lot of them make sense, but they're just not the norm in this part of the world that it's interesting to think about. Because I don't think that's something people consider before they travel places. It's like, how am I going to eat? Now, pizza at a restaurant, fork and knife or with your hands? Oh, it depends on the kind of pizza. Like, I mean, if it's wood-fired, like a thin crust pizza, then fork and knife. Yeah, I I feel like for the most part, fork and knife at a restaurant. But sometimes, like, you know, if you go to, like, Boston Pizza or somewhere where it's, like, kind of trash pizza, then, like... (laughs) Which, it's actually delicious in, like, the Yeah, sorry, no offense. No offense, Boston Pizza. (laughs) I'm just saying, if you go to, like, a a nice restaurant where you're getting really thin, kind of, like, floppy pizza, (laughs) then I'm going to eat it with a fork and knife. Yeah. But if I'm, like, at a place where it's just Boston Pizza... I'm probably going to eat it by hand. <laughs> a little bit of a side story. So friends of ours, they're, they're they're a little bit older and they have a lot of like chef friends, like very high end kind of, you know, very well rated chefs. And they all traveled to France together a couple years ago. And they were in some the southern area of France. I don't know what it was, but it was like, you know, it's like an intense kind of vacation and they went with chefs and they're like we're gonna eat so great and then they ended up eating a lot of kd because apparently chefs out of the kitchen of their expensive restaurants couldn't be bothered to cook and i was like i feel that i like that energy like <laughs> for every one yeah, nice well, meal i believe that it's like your job ruins everything you love yeah you know? so like <laughs> it just it, it drains you sometimes it pays to not do what you love because <laughs> it can take and steal some joy from your life but <laughs> <laughs> like what's your favorite cuisine i i don't have one i i can't how dare you even ask me about my favorite? <laughs> okay so i have three love japanese love italian and love french and although some would argue that french and italian are similar they are by no means yes they share a few things but the principles are very different and so those are yeah i would i would say they're not the same yeah okay what are yours I think Indian food is my top favorite. No like, way. Yeah, like I don't think there's anything I don't love and I've just always gravitated towards it. Like it's a it's a big like if you know if I'm ordering takeout food, Indian food's definitely one of the top ones. You and, have like, never requested Indian food here and I make a mean doll, okay? <laughs> Okay, next time I come to see you, we're doing Indian food. Okay. That's definitely one of my favorites. I'd say Italian's a close second. Uh, you know, a good, like, buttery, spiced pasta. Just like, yep, so good. <laughs> pasta. Pasta. Oh my god, it's like salsa all over Salsa! So I can't, I was not going to say Mexican food, even if, even if it was my job. <laughs> Which actually, fun fact about Mexico is that most or not most but a lot of their food is eaten with their hands and so sometimes if you're whipping out a fork and knife they're like oh so you think you're that's true about indian indian food as well but yeah no speaking of italian food it's in there like of course i can't just pick one but what i can you know really appreciate is the all the different courses here's something okay and what i can really appreciate is is all the different courses and one of my favorite food quotes this is in contrast to to the quote that you read (laughs) before is the appetite comes when you're eating and i think that implies you know because so in italian culture 
the food structure, like the, the courses, you know, you have your aperitivo, you have antipasti, primi, secondi, with, you know, sometimes you'll have two of those. So you have a sorbet palate cleanser, contorni, that's served alongside the secondi, insalata, formaggi, frutta, and then dolce, cafe, and digestivo, which is like 10 courses roughly. And if you've ever been to an Italian wedding, oh my God, that all you do is eat and it is the best and the worst. It's miserable and magical, as Taylor Swift would say, because it's just like I can't <laughs> stop. <laughs> I will go the distance, but it's, yeah, yeah, I don't eat for I a would- couple days. Yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like I'd literally explode explode after the third course. I'm not sure I've actually ever had meal larger than four courses, maybe. Like, if you count hors d'oeuvres, get an appetizer, like a soup or a salad, a main course, and a dessert, which is basically just, like, Christmas. I feel oh like Christmas Oh my dinner. god. Okay, next time you come to my house, we're sitting down for 10 to 12 courses <laughs> because that is... Th- Elbows are off the table. <laughs> what? <laughs> I feel like you haven't been eating if you haven't. It's And so it's not about like packing your plate full. It's about these little things that just keep you going for an hour and a half. at min- No, I don't think I've ever eaten like that. Okay, so 12 course dinner menu includes hors d'oeuvres. An amuse-bouche, which is just something tantalizing for your mouth before you eat. Soup, yeah. appetizer, salad, fish, first main course, palate cleanser, second main course, cheese course, which is the best. They do that. We were just in Corsica, France, and they have a lot of Corsican cheese, and so that was just ugh, so good. Dessert, and then um, a which is like um, like a, like it's des- it's the dessert after the dessert. It's like a bite-sized dessert. That finishes it all off. Like, think like a mint, but like not a right. mint. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Goodness gracious. Like after eight. I feel like yeah, you're coming no. from the Stone Age four courses. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what? Okay. Well, okay. This is clearly opening my eyes to like <laughs> new, new ways of eating. So like, what cuisine would you like to learn like more about? Ooh. Um, probably I really enjoyed food in South Korea and I've attempted a few soups, but I don't really know that much about it. And then probably Lebanese. So Tilo's grandfather was Lebanese and his Oma, like Tilo's grandmother, she does cook certain Lebanese dishes and I've yet to try something I didn't like. So it's on my list to kind of master a few recipes, but it's, th- I think those those would be my two that I just want to, because I like the food Learn a lot. more about. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Okay, it's like someone who, like, I bake way more than I ever cook. Like, I don't cook, like, I, I can cook, I don't cook super often. I'd love to just get so good at, like, French, like, patisserie style pastries. Like, just okay. be able to, like, whip out, I see like, you. little, little cute, delicate. Yeah. Like, yeah, just be like, oh, yeah, I just made these this morning and they're so cute looking. <laughs> like, like, macaroons and. Yeah, and just be like, yeah, no, it's easy. I just did this like five <laughs> minutes ago. Like that's that's <laughs> uh, thinking back to the art of hosting, which this one kind of, I guess, has some parallels too. But you know, in the art of hosting, when we're like, oh, we like to have everything cleaned up before somebody arrives to be like, oh, what cooking? Um, I did it, but everything's yeah. clean. Now, you know, and it's like... yeah, be like, oh, these I didn't buy these pastries. What are you talking about? I just like literally, I, you told me you texted me you were coming like fifteen minutes ago, so I just put these in the oven. <laughs> I just have this ready in my house always. Yeah. <laughs> so side question. What do you, what's your like Thanksgiving? Like Thanksgiving's not for another, oh my gosh, it's close. Oh my, I'm not even ready. It's like I haven't even prepped. away. 
we have a heart attack. Okay, I thought I had more time. <laughs> we stop recording. <laughs> the episode abruptly ends here. Okay, what is your what is on your your like Thanksgiving menu? Are you a traditionalist? Do you do you get inventive? What are you What are you eating? We're definitely on the traditional side of things it depends because some years I'm at my cottage and some years I'm not so with my dad's side of the family we're typically more traditional where it's like you know like stuffing and turkey and like mashed potatoes and I'm the same with like my friends like we have a big friends Thanksgiving every year and it's same deal like more Pollock style obviously the staples the pumpkin pie the apple pie like that kind of stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um with my mom's side who we have Thanksgiving with like less often no one's as like fussed about like less people are inclined towards turkey and stuff so like sometimes we'll do like ham things like that but like I'd say for the most part we're like pretty traditional with it what about you I literally send out a menu to the family every year being like these are your options yeah so for for Thanksgiving last year like I do I like the turkey this year I am playing around with the idea of of using some sort of smaller bird and everybody gets like an individual quail or like like a Cornish Cornish game hen. hen yeah exactly right so like last year we did like a scallion we I did a scallion ginger bone broth with a garlic and fresh herb roasted turkey with sweet roasted beets, carrots uh, with fresh burrata stuffing, bourbon maple sweet potatoes, roasted mini pumpkin stuffed with basmati rice, Granny Smith apples, cranberries, and shaved Brussels sprouts with a cranberry sauce. And oh my God. finish that off with pecan pie brownies. It's got to oh be God. extra or I don't want it. I feel like that's already more than four courses, so you've already outdone me. (laughs) No, but it's just, like, I... It sounds so good. Like, I think one year I'm going to do, like, as traditional Thanksgiving at, you know, the green bean casserole that's super popular in the States. Have you ever had that? So before we get um, to the Philomath, we are going to play a little game. So a little backstory to this it's not even a game it's just like a series of fun questions but as long as I can remember every year for my birthday I would spend a weekend with my godmother and with my cousins and their family and my godmother is the most excellent cook in the world and you know among so many other things she can literally do everything but I vividly remember not only the food but just the conversations at dinner were so different like I don't know maybe because a lot of people would come and like her daughters would be there with like their boyfriends and then husbands you know as they yeah. The years went on and so this is this game in part was inspired by one of those like riveting conversations so right if, if you could only eat one fruit forever what would it be strawberries no question okay mine's mangoes boom okay okay <laughs> uh, if you could only drink one beverage forever what would it be either bubbly water or beer i think Okay. I did not take an alcoholic approach to this. Um, and I was like, I'm boring and I feel like all I drink is water. So, I, and then I was like, I like Diet Coke, but that would probably kill me. Um, so my final answer, my final answer for this was apple juice. <laughs> it came to Snapple still exist in Canada. Do you know? I don't know. I haven't seen a Snapple in a but long time. Snapple just bring back the, the warmest memories ever of that like that pop that i can't even do it yeah the little yeah i know what you're talking about yeah <laughs> okay one vegetable forever what are you eating okay i'm gonna get hate for this but i love brussels sprouts really forever i like 
No, That's yeah, it? forever. I could eat them every day of the week. I love Brussels sprouts. Okay, you need to come over for Thanksgiving because Brussels sprouts always make an appearance because I think they're the fun, you know, I don't know why that and broccoli get so much smack. Actually, fun fact for you. So because they're like cruciferous vegetables. They probably give people gas. They make people angry. That is very good. Absolutely. Yeah, that's 100%. That's that probably why. Yeah. But um, like, yeah, pe- Brussels sprouts get so much hate. And then like, if you go to the UK, like Brussels sprouts are such a like staple of British Christmas dinners and stuff like that. And I remember being there at Christmas time a couple of years ago and like every store that sold Christmas stuff sold like Brussels sprout ornaments and stuff like that. And I was like, I need I want these one. because so I love Brussels sprouts. But yeah, anyways. Did you end up getting one? No, because I think at the, I don't, don't know why. I feel like I had like a really full like suitcase and like everything was so delicate and I just like, didn't, but I do regret it. Okay. Noted. Don't buy one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is like a, I love Peppa Pig. She's the, the sassiest, cutest little British pig. And I have a son now, which is why I know so much about the show. A son who doesn't watch any TV, but... I was going to say, as if you haven't been talking about Peppa Pig since before he was born. Nice try. (laughs) So in an episode, they they sometimes will change certain things because Peppa Pig is, is international, baby. But so, for example in the u.s kids for whatever reason hate broccoli which i don't think they do i don't know who hates broccoli that'd be a weird one no that's like the media has made this up yeah right and i don't believe that kids hate broccoli no i don't think so it's delicious steamed with some garlic don't don't even don't even at me but yeah so it when peppa pig aired in the u.s then she's like oh i don't want to eat the broccoli and then when they did it in japan it was green peppers and like green peppers are nasty. Like I don't know what who's like mm, green peppers. Let's get the. They're just like not a sweet. Nah, they're gross. They're gross. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought that was very interesting. Oh, and then when they did that an episode about like Peppa being afraid of a spider, that wasn't because they're basically like Peppa, it's a spider. Like it's more afraid of you than than you are of it. Spiders aren't scary. They're they're really helpful and stuff. So they didn't oh air God. that. Then they aired it in Australia. No, and they're like <laughs> absolutely <laughs> be afraid of every spider you meet. <laughs> australia for that very reason because it's yes be afraid oh of my anything. god yeah that's really f- i was joking but that's really funny no no for real for real um okay wait what's your vegetable oh bok choy all the way oh give interesting. Me some baby bok choy give me some big bok choy yep <laughs> i love me some okay. bok choy <laughs> junk food what's your junk food popcorn and it's considered junk because it must be accompanied with the proper seasoning. I accept ketchup, dill, cheddar, or a combination of the latter two. Maybe even salt and okay. vinegar. Yeah, I'm feeling crazy. Oh my god! Yeah, you, you. I was gonna say you make me want to like change my answer to the Colonel's cheesy dill popcorn, but chocolate, any kind, I don't discriminate. Yeah. Or sweet chili heat Doritos. See, okay, so I go through phases with but- Doritos. Because I love yeah. sweet chili heat for a long time, and then Cool Ranch, and then Bold Barbecue, and then Bold Barbecue went away, but now it's back, and yeah, so. But but I feel like, yeah, chocolate's a good one for people who aren't allergic to chocolate. Yeah, for you, not a great <laughs> option, but like, for me, an excellent option. Which, to be fair, I can have chocolate chip cookies in like very small doses. Can't eat a whole row of like, I don't know, eight cookies, but I can have like one or two. Do you? And- like chocolate though like with the only occasions that you do eat things with chocolate in it are you like mm, this is so good i wish i wasn't allergic to it or are you like no no so that kind of desire to eat i would never eat imagine eating a chocolate no or like or even worse like a like a brick of chocolate or like what are those called like a like just like oh my god like my dream willy wonka the yeah the golden ticket i would never even get to go to that factory because i would oh never 
Yeah, every single time stopper. I go through the airport, I buy like a dairy milk the size of my torso. Yeah, so no, yeah, that doesn't. I can do chocolate chip is good, and then brownies. But so the the allergy is a weird one because it's actually preservatives that they're putting in. I have the actual name of whatever it is that I'm actually allergic to, but it's not. Oh, so like pure chocolate, you can. Yeah. If you had to eat one final meal, I don't want to say like death row, but think death row. Like you're allowed to get whatever okay. you want. What are you eating? Okay, my mom makes this like seafood linguine that has, it's like butter and like oil and chili flakes and oh. like, oh my God, so good. So like that with garlic bread okay, and good. something for dessert. I'm not super picky. Chocolate or <laughs> <laughs> cheesecake. Yeah, cheesecake is, yeah. Something. Like, I want a dessert included in that, but pavlova, like, it doesn't really matter. You can surprise me. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> for what I'm on death row. This is what she wants because she's on death row now. Listen to episode 17 of the Outwits End podcast, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> which okay hold on so usage of the word idiot do you ever say idiot not in the dwight Schrute voice of like idiot because that is the only way that if i say that word out loud that is no because sometimes i say it as a turn of in- in- endearment to my, like uh, my friends like, oh yeah like, you're an idiot like yeah. but like <laughs> but i love you yeah okay. yeah it's like in like loving way like they're an idiot but like i mean that in the best possible way <laughs> <laughs> no, for me it's just straight up Dwight Schrute, and every time I laugh to myself, everyone's like, "It's not funny anymore." I was like, "Idiot." <laughs> okay, what's your death row food? Ooh, uh, a rare steak with like a peppercorn. Rare? Are we talking like blue rare? Um, or like just it depends like on like rare. Co- it depends on who's cooking it, to be honest. Because blue rare is never blue rare. So probably just rare because usually they don't mess okay, that up. I was going to say, I'm like also throwing out there that you're on death row. So you're probably not getting a Michelin star chef. I Okay, fine. <laughs> it's just one final meal. <laughs> <laughs> don't take this away from me. I didn't say you're not close to seafood in your prison. Okay, so. <laughs> so rare steak with some sort of peppercorn crust, maybe with a side okay. of roasted beets and then some sort of rice, like just slathered with garlic and butter, some herbs in there. And yeah, I think I would be. Yep, that would okay. that would do me in. Okay, literally. <laughs> if you're on death if row. you're on if you're on death row or <laughs> no, okay, if you get a death penalty and then you die and they resuscitate you, should you go free? Because technically, it's till you die, but you died. Therefore, I feel like there's an argument there. I yeah, I feel like you could appeal, maybe, perhaps. But I also feel like if you're on death row and you. <laughs> Uh, do they have okay this is a whole other sides <laughs> we're going down a wormhole because okay, okay, like okay. i i just want to like now what if you're on death row and you die is like do they re- do they resuscitate you they have to oh but like i don't think so kim i think they let you die do do they but like what if it's not your time okay <laughs> so like you I'm die on death of row old and my... age or if you okay, die no, of I'm, a disease but like gonna... i'm just talking yeah no i mean i but are you deprived medical? I now I'm. And oh, so many questions for another episode. Wow, how's, how's that? Another, yeah, next week's episode, episode nineteen on death row. It's episode eighteen. <laughs> Alla, sorry, Alla, Alla, Alla death row episode eighteen. <laughs> I was like, who's Alan? And then I go, <laughs> Alan. We're gonna interview our friend Alan. Alan. Um, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's Alan we, was. 
I don't even remember. Not the correct animal. A meerkat. I thought it was a meerkat. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. And on that note, now it's time for our Philomath segment. So this week's Philomath was something that I came across in a book that I was reading recently. A different book from the one I mentioned okay, I was earlier. Say, Kim, you already mentioned it. No, no, no. I have like this terrible habit where I read like seven books at once, and then like I eventually I stop adding books when I get overwhelmed by how many books I have on the go. Have you heard of the Song of Achilles? Them. No. I don't okay, think so it's trending on TikTok, and and I just got it oh. because I saw it. But I'm I'm excited to read oh. it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Yeah. So, anyways, this story made me laugh a lot, and it was just like such a good fit for this episode because it relates to food. So I had to share. So, <laughs> do you know what an aphrodisiac is? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know, an aphrodisiac is like a food or a drink or a drug that like stimulates sexual desire. So like one of the most popular foods that people think of when they think of aphrodisiacs is oysters. So. To start this Philomath segment, I'd like to say that there is actual, literally, no scientific evidence to indicate that oysters are aphrodisiacs. Like, that statement was based on a study done on hormones in rats with clams and mollusks, so, like, not oysters. But in the family. In the family, but not actually specifically oysters. Like, it was different types of clams and mollusks. So, like, no study was ever done to conclude that the same thing applied to humans. It was just something the media kind of, like, you know, the science, like, scientists were basically like, this might apply to humans. And the media was like, scientists confirm that oysters are aphrodisiacs. (laughs) Like, it literally, and then it just kind of embedded itself in popular culture. So... All of this is kind of besides the point because what I actually want to talk about is anaphrodisiacs, which essentially <laughs> is a food that has the opposite effect, aka something that basically like stuns your libido oh, and like lessens God. your sexual desire. So historically, it's no secret that people can be pretty opinionated when it comes to sex and sexual desire. And you know, especially as you go back 100, 200 years and further, we can see that, like, I mean, we've come a long way in terms of adopting more inclusive and positive views in regards to sexuality, although we still have a long way to go. Um, But particularly, like, masturbation was a big concern in the 18th and 19th centuries (laughs) with, like, Judeo-Christian traditions and, like, the Great Awakening really making it, it was just, like, a big topic of discussion. And one of the biggest voices in this crusade against masturbation was Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. So, in fact, he, like, he kept separate bedrooms from his wife and they adopted all of their children because he was so adamant that sex and masturbation were, like, terrible for your, like, mental, physical, spiritual health, like, everything, (laughs) believed it was so bad for you. And so he was, like, you know, he really, he was a doctor, um, but he, like, really led a crusade against, like, you know, how to refrain from sex and how to refrain from masturbation and all of these things. And so in keeping with these beliefs, he also felt that consuming certain foods, you know, like basically a diet of anaphrodisiacs (laughs) could help us to further curb our sexual desire and keep those impulses at bay. And when it came to what foods we eat, the plainer the better was like his mentality. And so in his career as a doctor, he began to develop, you know, a few different breakfast foods that could be consumed daily to meet these needs. And one such food of these was the classic (gasps) cornflake. Oh my God. I was going to say Kellogg's of Kellogg's. (laughs) Yes, that Kellogg. So he partnered with his brother, Will, to mass market the cereal. And though 
they eventually fell out because like will was basically like had more of a business sense he wasn't so interested in purity he was more interested in money and he wanted to add sugar to the cereal <laughs> and like john was like absolutely not like sugar is definitely Devil. not gonna help like curb people's like sexual desire he's like i want this literal cardboard <laughs> and so, yeah, that's how we got the Kellogg's cereal company that we know today. And that's the story of cornflakes. And next time you see them at the grocery store, just know they were fully designed to be as boring as most of us think they are. <laughs> and now I can't see someone eat cornflakes and keep a straight face. Yikes. <laughs> but oh my yeah, God. I thought that was so funny. Because I'm like, what, what a cereal that you think is like so boring and it's literally designed to make you more boring. Wow, and just... Yeah, so, like, Mental Floss actually wrote, like, a really good longer article about kind of, like, the history of his (laughs) anti-masturbation crusade, basically. And so, like, we can link that in the show notes if you want to, like, read more about it. It it was, like, his life's work, and I I think he would just be traumatized to see, like, Fruit Loops and stuff today (laughs) that exist that are just... Oh, my God. What about Frosted Flakes? Is that the brothers doing? Because I I feel like... I feel like that must have been the brothers doing because that's exactly what he wanted to do was add sugar to cornflakes. Frosted and flakes are so good though. I feel like yeah, but I'm not but thinking not about corn that flakes. in the morning. Who is thinking? They must have had a serious problem with you know. Is, is that? Well, he's just setting. About? He's just setting you up for your day. He's like, well, you're gonna eat these now so that they can just marinate in your system and you can make sure that you're staying. That's... Staying pure of thought all day. Damn, damn. I have a, I have a pretty n- not PG story. What's our rated story too? Actually, so when I was playing around with like natural herbs and stuff, I wanted to make like a, a something that you could smoke, like a, a very natural type of like cigarette using flowers. Not even a cigarette, just some sort of, like what would you call it? cigarette light like type thing? Like but... a, I don't know, almost like a not an incense but like no because you would smoke it right and I was like oh that's cool like that's an interesting thing like I was very curious about that and I didn't full like I researched everything that I was using but I didn't fully research it and so one of the flower ingredients that I was using was a female aphrodisiac and (laughs) I remember looking like I think Tilo and I were already engaged at this point and I remember I don't even know what he was doing he was like trying to open something and I was like He's like struggling trying to open. He's getting scissors trying to cut this open. And I'm just looking at him being like, okay, I see you. I see see you using those scissors. It's like, what the fuck is going on right now, right? And so then I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah. And it was just, and it was, if you've ever experienced, so I mean, do we have, do we know any legitimate aphrodisiacs? I don't, I didn't look them up off the top of my head. I just know in the book I was reading, kind of segueing into this cornflake story they were talking about you know oysters and just how okay okay they're like there isn't actual scientific evidence but i'm sure there are a lot of foods that have actually been like properly tested okay. and like it's not to say that oysters aren't they just there isn't actually like scientific evidence there is. behind it yeah okay. yeah it right. was just kind of insinuated that maybe perhaps so, i mean they must exist and i would actually implore everyone just for that experience of you don't actually know what's going it is the it, it's a very fun experience and then when you figure it out it, it makes it a lot better because then you're like oh okay this this is hilarious now of how how something as stupid as yeah, trying to rip something open becomes like okay yeah be the father of my kids that's Ero- great. eroticize yeah. Erotis- erotic jar opening <laughs> <laughs> 
like a USB so cable funny. or something or like an HDMI cord that just wasn't coming out of the package, right? But just yeah, and so then I figured it yeah. out. And I was like, that's what it must be, you know? Because I I then got like some. I was talking to the guy at like the the herbal store, and he was like, oh, you getting this one, eh? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, and I so then I put two and two together, and I was like, eh, looked it up, and I was like, oh, there we go. There we go. Hilarious. Okay. Oh my god, so. that's funny. Yeah. My uh ex What a great tie-in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Had that one in the back for Yeah, I was like, I've literally like all week I've been so excited to tell you this story and I've had to refrain from texting it to you because I was like dying when I read I know. it. This is the one thing that kind of not sucks about doing a podcast together, but this is a downfall is that sometimes like I wanna tell you now. I don't wanna have to wait I know. until we're recording and but that is, you know, in essence, that that's how our relationship has always been. And it's very fitting for the podcast because it's like, I don't feel like we ever run out of philomaths or, you know, things to no. add in, you know, no, no And it problem. really, it really gives us an outlet for these stories because like I literally, the alternative is I'm going to start, like I was going to start telling the story to everybody I met. <laughs> so like, I, I really needed to filter it out it into some sort office. of space. <laughs> yeah, literally. I'm like, did you know cornflakes are, repre- are repressing your sexual desire? <laughs> Master, no. <laughs> anyway, so that does conclude this episode. Episode 17. A la carte. And yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Oh, follow us on Instagram, everybody. Yes, please. At at Wits End Podcast. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.